between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis in a galaxy far, far away, there was a street gang from Coney Island called the Warriors. Alright, Roach, what the hell are you doing, man? Well, Gigglepuss, the almighty Jin called me up and asked if I would do an epic intro to Jin's playground. So, that's what I'm doing. Right, but dude, you're just taking, like, little bits from movies and rolling them up into one big joint and calling it an epic intro. You're just jealous because he didn't ask you to do an epic intro. Oh yeah, that must be it. Are you finished? May I continue, please? Jesus, man, I'm just trying to save you from some humiliation, but you go right ahead with your fat stoner self. Thank you. Where was I? Oh... On March 9, 1969, the United States Navy established an elite school for the top 1% of its pilots. Today, the Navy calls it Fighter Weapons School. The Flyers call it... Jin's Playground. Wow, dude. Just wow. Stop interrupting, I gotta get through this. But sometimes, there's a man. And I'm talking about the Jin here. Sometimes there's a man... Well... He's the man for his time and place. He fits right in there. And that's the Jin. But sometimes there's a man. Sometimes there's a man. Oh. I lost my train of thought there. But, oh hell, I've done introduced him enough. Do your thing, Jin. Kilogram out of the bottle and into the fire. Fixin' to destroy episode 25. Uh, I can already tell this one's gonna be sick. Welcome, one and all, to another incendiary episode of Jin's Playground. So dirty that when your mom walked in the room, you had to switch the channel back over to porn. And you know it's all of that. Now, if I had a beverage in my hand, if I had a beverage in my hand right at this very moment, what would it be? Well, what else could it be? (sighs) My soul is a vampire and Red Bull is the blood that it craves. You just gotta bite down on that can and suck that bitch dry. Now to you kids out there, the official stance on energy drinks here at Jin's Playground is the following. We do not advocate the usage of caffeine on this show. Please use energy drinks responsibly. I think it's important to retain one's own natural metabolic rate without the outside assistance of any artificially flavored beverages. Any enhancements to your metabolism through caffeine or other means may indeed be hazardous to your health. Alright, now that we got that shit out of the way, here is the unofficial and off-the-record stance... It is my expectation that you are listening to this podcast while having a caffeine-induced panic attack. Or maybe you're driving down the street, white-knuckling the steering wheel and flipping people off uncontrollably because of that fully-loaded triple-venti latte that you just sucked down. Or maybe you're already at work, listening to this through your iPod or your computer, and your co-workers are looking at you kind of funny because you have nine pots of coffee at your desk. You have this wild and disturbed look in your eyes while drinking directly from one of the pots, Good morning, Steve. Would you like another cup of Joe? <laughs> That's my expectation, folks. It is my command 
that you exceed that expectation. Now, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the party. There is no code check. There is no dress code. There is no cover charge. And the first round is on me. Now, this podcast may contain some things that are unsuitable for younger listeners. But the good news is that there is a virtual plethora of family-friendly podcasts streaming right over at mtgcast.com for all general audiences to listen to and enjoy. But, if you are a playground veteran and a longtime disciple of the Almighty Jinn, then you already know full well that my audience is anything but general. And if I know my audience like I think I know my audience, then they've already had their medication, their foot and wrist restraints have been tightly fastened, their drool cup locked in place, and they are ready for the magic carpet ride. Now, I fully admit it has been a while since the last episode, A lot has gone down. A lot is happening, even as I speak. It's all happening. It's all around us, like midichlorians telling us the will of the Force. In today's installment, we're going to serve you with some Grand Prix Dallas business, a little bit of regionals business, a surprise guest interview business. (laughs) It's nothing personal. It's just business. Now, will I go off on a tangent? Odds are pretty likely. But... Stick around and let's see what sort of trouble we can get into anyway. Oh man, I gotta crank this part up right here. Ooh! Let's do this, sickos. I know you're feeling that. No turning back now. Alright, so normally I do some shameless plugs at the end of my show... But I gotta do one now as this next segment is directly related to the Jin's Playground Facebook fan page. Now if you're on Facebook, be sure to check out the Jin's Playground fan page and tell all your friends to join it. By doing this simple task, you will each receive some luxurious beachfront property that comes installed with, count them, five Playboy Playmates. Anyway, a loyal Playground disciple by the name of Ronald Murphy hit me up on Facebook chat recently and we, we got to talking about the podcast and... He had some deck ideas that he had. He had a lot of cool things to say about the show, and and those things really do mean a great deal to me. But he also said something that kind of stuck with me. He said, you know, it was great talking with you, man. It's really cool that you make time for the little people. Well, I, I really hope that he doesn't think of himself in that way, because I don't think of him as little people. You know, I don't think of anyone who takes the time out to listen to this show as little people. I hold my listeners in high regard, and it may be a double standard, but as much as I put my listeners up on a pedestal, and I do, I really hope that those listening just think of me as just a a simple dude who digs on some Magic the Gathering. But it got me to thinking about major Magic celebrities like Chapin, LSV, Conley Woods, you know, all these guys who have a gazillion followers on Facebook and how others might view them. I mean, can you imagine the sheer volume of instant messages and emails that these guys get just requesting help for decks and getting deck ideas? It has to be unreal, and there simply can't be a way to respond to every one of them, you know? And it just makes me wonder if other folks view that as not having time for the little people. I mean, Jin's Playground, by contrast, is small potatoes. I actually don't mind the show being kind of underground still, you know? As I'd hate to think that one day I wouldn't have time to respond to an email or a chat with someone who enjoyed the show. 
Now that all said, I'd been giving some thought on what I could do to connect and give back to my listeners who are on the Playgrounds Facebook fan page. I came up with this little segment that I like to call the Tainted Ten. You know, the idea was pretty simple. You know, I posted that the first ten listeners to post a topic would have their topic 100% covered by me on this very episode, no holds barred, anything goes. And it was pretty crazy. I mean, within minutes, we had our first ten topics locked in. And for those who didn't get in on this Tainted Ten, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do this segment again soon, especially if people dig it. So, without any further doo-doo, let's get crack a the Tainted Ten. Now, the first topic comes from Channel Fireball's very own Tristan Sean Gregson, and he writes, Favorite Romantic Comedy and Why? I remember listening to your cast covering other genres, so I'm throwing you a curveball. Well, it sure would seem like a curveball, wouldn't it? I mean, here's this gin guy who loves playing magic, listens to heavy metal, and watches horror movies. But the real question remains. Can he show some heart? Indeed, does he have it in him to try a little tenderness? I'll do you one better. I'm going to roll off my top five all-time romantic comedies, counting down with number five. Numero Cinco Romantic Comedy is a film called Sideways. It's about a guy played by Paul Giamatti who takes his soon-to-be-married friend up to Northern California wine country for kind of a, a bachelor's getaway. Hijinks ensue, but Giamatti gets more than he bargains for when he thinks he finds the right woman. Now, this movie got a ton of awards a few years back, but don't let that scare you off. You don't have to be art house to enjoy this flick. This movie has a lot of funny parts, but also has some solid performances. You know, just a great story, leaves you feeling really, really good, and it also makes you want to drink a lot of wine, so buy a couple of nice bottles before catching this one. Number four is a movie that kind of lived under the radar. You've heard of movies like The Breakfast Club, Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, all done by the same guy, John Hughes. He did another movie called Some Kind of Wonderful, and it marked the last teenage coming-of-age romance movie that Hughes did before moving on to these lame baby movies. A brief rundown. Eric Stoltz plays an artist in high school who has this thing for the hottest girl in school, and he uses his life savings to take her out on, on this kind of high-roller style date. It's just a great cast, great writing. This movie also has probably one of the best revenge endings ever put on film. Just, just a classic. I've always been a huge Bill Murray fan. His line of humor is definitely aligned with my own. And there are a lot of movies that I thought he was great in, but the one that I feel he really destroyed it in was Groundhog Day. Now, for those who haven't seen it, what the hell is wrong with you? But on the off chance that there are some of you that haven't, Bill Murray plays a holier-than-thou weatherman who is sent on an assignment to Puxatawney, Pennsylvania to cover the Groundhog Day ceremony, and he finds that he's living the same day over and over again. Very funny, and it has its romantic moments. If you haven't seen it, see it! Damn it! Okay, moving on to numero dos, 
almost certain that everyone listening to this podcast has seen the movie The Princess Bride. Or so I thought. One of my good friends, Channel Fireball columnist Brian Gruy, has never seen The Princess Bride before. This is a true story. But for those that know him, or even if you don't know him, you officially have authorization and clearance to give him an avalanche of hell for this. Now, I just I can't say enough good things about this movie. It's charming, it has some razor-sharp comedy. For the mass majority who have seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. And last but certainly not least, my number one romantic comedy of all time, well, it's a tie. Sort of. It's actually two movies made ten years apart from the other that have the same characters played by Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. The movies are Before Sunrise and Before Sunset. Now, these two movies really bring the romantic out of me. The first film, Before Sunrise, is about a guy who's traveling through Europe and he meets this gorgeous French girl on a train. They get off the train in Venice and they talk and they tour the city for a whole day and in the morning the guy has to catch the next train out of town. Needless to say, they become really into one another and the movie ends with the guy getting on the train but they both make this promise to one another that they would meet again in exactly six months at the same train station. So the audience is left wondering if they ever did meet six months later and it causes some really interesting discussions between the cynics the optimists, and the romantics. Before Sunset takes place ten years later, uh, done in the same dialogue-driven style as Before Sunrise. Well, I, I don't want to give too much away, but I can tell you that the movie ends with yet another scene that really makes you wonder what takes place. Both movies have their funny moments, but overall, this is a movie about romance, and it just doesn't get any better. That's one topic in the books... Who's next? Our next topic comes from MTG Cast's own Chris Otwell. He says, I want Jen's idea on how to be an effective movie critic. Oh, okay, Chris, but only after you tell me your idea on how to be an effective marine biologist. Or an effective pastry chef. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, if I were a movie critic, I'd be happy to tell you, but you know what? I'm, I'm just a dude that loves me some cinema. You know, my first guess, and I do emphasize the word guess, is that you should probably go to film school, have some journalism experience, and love to write, uh, especially about movies. You know, for myself, I've loved watching movies ever since I was a kid. You know, I grew up with Superman and Bruce Lee as my heroes, and have since watched what feels like every movie under the sun. I think when you've seen as many movies as I have, you kind of develop a, a bit of a high standard when it comes to movies. Because I'm finding these days that a lot is needed to impress me. But if you're looking for a good tool to find out if a movie is worth going to check out, I normally hit up RottenTomatoes.com. And yeah, I know, some of you are like, you actually listen to movie critics? Well, yeah, I do. But I don't just take the word of one or two people. Because when a hundred or more movie critics say that a movie is complete and total dog shit, chances are that it is indeed complete and total dog shit. Because here's the bottom line. Going to movies ain't cheap anymore, you know? I mean, you gotta do some research and make sure your entertainment dollars are spent wisely these days. You know, I've heard the argument, and part of the fun is the uncertainty of not knowing if you're gonna go see a good or a bad movie. Bullshit. I've never had fun spending money and time on a bad movie. 
Now, sure, you could say, screw it, it's getting horrible reviews, but I'm not going to let that uh, get in the way of me spending 25 bucks on a ticket and snacks, and that's that. Well, hey, that's fine. But don't get all butthurt when you come out of the theater wanting your money and those hours of your life back. Now, you've been warned. The information is out there. So I guess I really don't know how to be an effective movie critic, but I will say that there are tools out there that will help prevent you from seeing some really horrible movies and save you some money down the road. All right, the next topic comes in from Christian Alexander, and he would like to know why I enjoy helping the elderly at the local retirement center. I enjoy helping the elderly at my local retirement center because I find that if I'm nice enough to them and I keep their bedpans clean, they'll agree to run splitsies with me in their will. I mean, you've all heard of the credit card game, right? We do something kind of similar, except we call it the last will and testament bingo. And listen, the sheer amount of juice you can get running a Deadpool at one of these joints is just straight up filthy. Alright, okay, in all seriousness, I have no idea how to talk about this topic because I don't actually help the elderly at the local retirement center. I don't think I'd be very good at it or enjoy it too much. I mean, I already feel like I'm halfway to living in one of these places now, so I'm sure I'll get to experience it soon enough. But for those that do devote their time to helping them out, good on you, mate. Alright, three topics in the books. Let's hit up some magic-related topics, as this is, I guess, technically supposed to be a magic podcast. Right. The next topic is from Josh Ulmer, and he requests top 10 magic cards with sexually related double entendre names and justifications. Okay, so here's the thing. You know, when you willingly allow your mind to be lowered into the gutter... When you get into that mindset, just about anything can have a naughty double entendre. You know, when you're in that state of mind, you can't say cards like Tunnelingus, Goblin Bushwhacker, and Ogre Gear Grabber with a straight face. You just can't. But I was intrigued by this topic. So I went into Gatherer and started looking up cards. Now, I started with white because... You know, I figured that since white was the color that represented purity and grace, there'd only be like two or three magic cards worth noting. Holy shit, was I wrong. Initially, I was just going to take a few examples from each color, but there were virtually so many double entendre cards in white that I just, I had to stop at white. I had to give up. So the bad news is, I can't give you a top ten list. But there is some good news, though. But you'll have to lean in closer, because the kind of salacious advice I'm about to give you should only be talked about in hushed voices, where no one else can hear. And for you glory seekers looking for an enchanted evening, I recommend going to your local trade caravan and picking up a dauntless escort. At first you tell her how you'd like her to be bound in silence while kneeling at your altar of bone. But she's not into the whole bondage thing, so instead you tell her about your golden wish... But she freaks out a little and calls you a pervert. You tell her to stand and deliver while proceeding to lecture her about supply and demand, and that if it's a matter of life and death, it's then you realize that at this rate you'll be lucky to get a lightning blow. Now, as she's walking away, you stop her and you say, Look, all I really want to do is open the vaults. Now she smiles and approves of your righteous cause. She takes you back to her auntie's hovel. You ask her to strip bare while she breaks out some soothing balm. She whispers that with cooperation, the two of you will put forth a concerted effort that will satisfy your noble purpose. 
the two of you get into a privileged position, and you commence to seize the initiative. You lead an inspired charge, and she's screaming, Oh my godhead of awe! You realize that this could be your finest hour, but if you're not careful, it could all end in a momentary blink. You have to restrain, otherwise you'll give her an ivory mask! that you'll have to wipe clean and leave no trace and afterwards you'll have to go home and live with your guilty conscience so just remember kids when you fly out to god knows where to play in some magic tournament over the weekend you can bet green money that the girlfriends and wives that you leave behind will be initiating a quest for the holy relic and you can believe that. Alright, on to more topics from the Tainted Ten. Now I've got two Conley Woods-related questions that have been posed. Now, I know what most of you are thinking, especially the Magic players out there. They're thinking, who the hell is Conley Woods? That's a fair question. But I'm going to proceed with the assumption that some of you have heard of him, and if you haven't, my apologies. Now, I do appreciate that these questions concerning Conley were given to me to, to kind of field here. Because as most of you know, I am Conley Wood's most trusted confidant, as well as his personal biographer. I know everything about Conley. I know his innermost secrets. I know his favorite color. I know that his favorite NBA team is the Denver Nuggets. In fact, and I know it's hard to believe, but I even know what he's thinking right at this very moment. Now, let me, let me tune in here. He's thinking, mmm, cheese dip. I don't know what that means, and I don't know why he's thinking that, but that is indeed the thing that he's thinking of this very moment. So, here are the two questions. Now, Matt Reynolds asks, how many women does Conley actually get on tour? And moms don't count. And Patrick Riley asks, why does Conley Woods throw poo at people? Oh, God damn! I love doing this podcast. You see, these are the kinds of questions that will not get asked on the deck text, folks. You can only get these kinds of probing inquiries right here at Jin's Playground. So let's talk about these questions. Let's communicate. We'll do far more damage keeping these things under wraps. So let's get it out there. Let's get it out in the open. Let's start with the first question. How many women does Conley actually get on tour? Well, let me ask you something. Ever heard of Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain? Ever heard of him? Amateur hour. Wilt gets dizzy watching C-Dub run circles around him. And he could learn a few things from Conley. He's the genuine article. Often imitated, never duplicated. It's a phenomena. I can't even explain it myself. I mean, women just sense that he's in the room, and they act on their natural instincts. I mean, they just flock to him. It doesn't help matters much that these large magic tournament sites he goes to are just teeming with hot 20-year-old women. I mean, when you put a man like Conley Woods into a target-rich environment like a magic tournament, the game is over well before it got started. And you may not know this, but he's actually coming out with his own body wash for men. It's called Misty Rainforest. It'll be on shelves later this year. I mean, you know how you hear about Axe body wash and and you watch their commercials, and they always allude to what might happen if you use their body wash, but they never really come out and say it. But Conley wants everyone to know, you will get laid if you use Misty Rainforest during your bathing rituals. I mean, that's just a fact. 
Misty Rainforest, is it on you? So moving on to the second question, why does Conley Woods throw poo at people? Now, I, I know that this question has been on a lot of people's minds lately, and maybe people are just afraid to approach the topic with them. I mean, because let's be honest, you know, I mean, it's it's not just something that you go up and ask someone, or, you know, because it's a, it's a sensitive topic. But it's pretty clear that Conley is a fecal freak. I mean, he just enjoys sharing himself with others in that very special way. And you know what? That's okay. You know, it's it's a lifestyle choice. I accept him for who he is, not for what he is. So going forward, if you see him throwing poo at people, or he happens to throw poo at you, just duck and give him an understanding nod and a smile. Maybe even a thumbs up, letting him know that you accept him. I'm not going to judge, and neither should you. Alright, the next question comes from Paul Bradford. He says, Knowing the rules, should players that know certain details of the rules benefit in major events where players with lesser insight could be taken advantage of? Such as rules lawyering. Is there a gray area or is there a straight black and white? If there is a gray area, what would you say that is? Well, this is a really good question, Paul. I mean, I, I feel pretty strongly about this particular topic, so... I better put on my serious hat for a moment. The best way I can answer this question is with a question of my own. Do you believe that rules lawyering falls within the spirit of the game? And how you answer that question will define where you stand on this topic. I feel that rules lawyering is rules lawyering. I mean, there is no gray area. I think that rules lawyering in any game, regardless of whether it's in a casual environment or at the pro level, is the highest form of douchebaggery. And people who rules lawyer really need to take a good hard look in the mirror and ask themselves why they feel they need to do it. In my book, people who rules lawyer only do so because they lack the talents and the skills to compete without rules lawyering. A true professional magic player has developed their games to the level where they don't have to rules lawyer. Much like in golf, you know, the, the, the players have the ability to govern and police themselves. And look at the pros of this game who, who time and time again experience success without having to make each game they play a rigid and impersonal rules clinic. Now I do want to make a distinction here. Uh, if there is something that doesn't seem right, or if you're confused, or your opponent is doing something that doesn't make sense under the rules, then of course you should call a judge to protect yourself and your opponent. But the player who lawyers their opponents, they, they know exactly what they're doing. They have no interest in preserving the game state. They are just looking to exploit a situation that suits their needs, and that might benefit their situation somehow. In my honest opinion, there is, there's just no place for it in the casual realm or among the elite. Because the casual are playing the game for entertainment, and the competitive are too busy trying to improve their own game. If a player chooses to live by the letter of the law and not the spirit of the game, then that is definitely their choice. It's a free country, to be sure. 
but they shouldn't be confused afterwards as to why their entire gaming community turns its back on them. They shouldn't feel bewildered and wonder why it is that everyone thinks they're a douche. My humble advice from a casual point of view would be to play within the rules of the game with a large emphasis on the word play. And from a competitive point of view, I would focus more on making the correct plays and decisions and focus less on trying to be an opportunist with the rules. All right, we have three more topics left, and one of them comes from Jeff Peel. He would like to know how the world would react if I grabbed the Pro Tour by the balls and swept every event in 2012. Well, I can tell you exactly how they'd react. They'd say, you cheating son of a bitch. Now, let me get this straight. You have a guy here who's been playing Magic for 16 years now, whose entire competitive career can be summed up as qualifying for the Pro Tour twice and making the National Championship twice. And all of a sudden, now he's rolling off wins in every event he plays in? Although it is kind of a crazy dream, isn't it? I mean, just imagine being paid to travel around the world, have an entourage of barnacles following me around. I mean, fellow pros racking their brains, asking, how does this fool rip fireball every single game? There's just no possible way a guy can peel back cruel ultimatum with that kind of consistency. Right before interviewing me, Rich Hagen would say to himself, please don't drop the F-bomb gin. During all of my deck texts, Brian David Marshall would be thinking to himself, man, I hope this guy doesn't pull out his penis like he did the last time. I would be the envy of every aspiring Magic player. But too much envy breeds hatred. And if I were winning every event, I'd be the most hated man in Magic. And stories would get made up about how I'm a savage cheater. I'd walk around all by myself, hoping someone would ask me to sign a playmat or something. I'd look over at the players playing Lunch Money or Ascension and, and wish that they'd let me play their game. And with no one to talk to, I'm left with no other choice but to go back to my hotel room and rub one out to some spank division. The view from the top might look pretty great, but it could also be pretty lonely. So now that I think about it, maybe it's for the best that I'm just a guy who comes into a magic tournament with a decent amount of skill and a little luck in my pocket. It would be something else if I won a major tournament, and I won't stop trying. But I'm pretty damn happy with where I am right now. Alright, the next topic comes from Matt the Mouth Michelangelo. And he'd like me to address how badly Scars of Mirrodin sucks compared to the original Mirrodin block, or how much magic has changed for the worse. Poor mouth. Mouth is the kind of guy you, you see in a corner of a coffee shop by himself, drinking chamomile tea, silently weeping, listening to sad bastard music on his iPod, while writing poetry about how awful everything is. I'm sure you know the type. But I want you to know something, Matt. I know that you're hurting inside. I want you to know that you have friends here to support you. If you need a hug, I'm here, man. You know, I know it's, uh, it's kind of cliche, and God knows you've probably heard it before, but I want you to know that it's not your fault. It's not your fault, Matt. Go ahead. Go ahead and let it out, little trooper. We'll get through this rough patch together. And last but certainly not least... The final topic of the Tainted Ten. Brian Michael Bear would like to know the logical. How's Grand Prix Dallas going to look? 
ideas of the format going in, and surprises coming out. Well, I, I got to apologize to those who attended Grand Prix Dallas, as I didn't get this podcast out before that event. But let me see if I can try and make it up to you. Sure, Grand Prix Dallas is in the books, but in the next couple of weekends we have several national qualifying events taking place, and all of you should know the ins and outs of what to expect. Now, I promised at the beginning of the show that we would be doing a surprise guest interview to kind of help me do a regionals primer. Now, when I say that it's a surprise guest, I really do mean it, because even I don't know who it's going to be. It's going to be completely random. I'm just going to open this portal here. Because I'm a djinn and I can do sweet shit like that. And then we just hope that whoever comes out of it is cool. I just hope that... What? Stone Cold. Ladies and gentlemen, a Jin's Playground exclusive. The Texas Rattlesnake Stone Cold Steve Austin. Stone Cold. Holy shit, man. I'm a huge fan. Thanks for coming on the show, man. How you doing? I'm I'm doing fantastic, man. Are you having a good day? I'm I'm having a great day. Thanks for asking, man. So, Rattlesnake, how is retirement treating you, brother? I see you got something around your waistline there, man. So, uh, what uh, what is it you got there? A beer belly. Um, come again? What what was that? I said that's a beer belly. I didn't quite catch that, buddy. Would you repeat it, please? A beer belly. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just messing with you, Steve. You're going to ask me a bunch of questions? Is that what you were going to do? Indeed. As you know, the national championship qualifiers are coming up fast, and a lot of my listeners are looking for some guidance and some advice on what they should play in the upcoming weeks. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah, like if you decided you were going to play in the Nats qualifiers, what would you play? As a matter of fact, I'm working on my strategy right now. Jump back. You play magic? I said I'm working on my strategy right now. And you think you're going to qualify for Nats? Do you understand me? That's what Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to do. Well, what if you get, like, ninth place, you know? I mean, I- I've seen a lot of really good players finish on the bubble due to bad tie breaks. That just won't happen. I mean, hey, there's a lot of good players out there, and they have a firm grasp on this format. You're really going to have to play tight in order to have a shot at going to Gen Con. Are you supposed to intimidate me? Am I supposed to be scared? No, 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 no. You got it all twisted, Steve. That's not what I meant. There's something going on here that I'm just not understanding. All right, well, let, let's just see if I can ask some simple questions here and, and see where you stand on this. Let's do a deck rundown. Would you play Eldrazi Green at the Nationals Qualifier? <laughs> White Weenie Quest? <laughs> Alrighty, how about vampires? Uh-uh. Mono red aggro? I mean, that should be right up your alley. Uh-uh. Valakit? Uh-uh. You know what I think, Stone Cold? I think you should probably play blue white cobblade or rug. That's what I think. You can think whatever you want. Well, thanks, Steve. You can think I'm a class act, or you can think I'm the biggest jackass you ever met. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and plead the fifth here. You got time for me to tell you a story? Well, to be honest, Stone Cold, I, I'm really trying to wrap this little segment up, and 
I'm going to tell you a story right now. Or we can hear a story. We can do that, too. A story about a man named Stone Cold Steve Austin. Hey, that's your name, dude. I was real thirsty. Yep, you, you haven't lost me. I'm, I'm with you so far, Steve. So I went to a bar. Then I got on one of those mechanical bulls. And I started a fight. And the whole bar started fighting. I whipped everybody's ass. I threw them all out the door. Wait, you threw all of them out the door? Every single one, right out the door. Well, I know that everyone listening appreciates you sharing that little tale. Thank you for your time, Steve, but it's, uh, it's time for you to go. <laughs> nope, hey, hey, come on now, no tantrums. <laughs> Back you go. <sighs> the things I do on this show. All right, it's about that time for some playground news and community calendar brought to you by JinsPlayground.com and the good folks at FrontRangeMagic.com. Want to see what I'm up to? Come check out my humble little website over at JinsPlayground.com. And if you're in the Denver metro area and you want to know where the next big magic party is at, swing on over to FrontRangeMagic.com. Sign up to get access to member-exclusive content, including the local forums. Also, hey, you like the show and you want to keep the party going, be sure and join the Jins Playground Facebook fan page and be a part of the movement today. Offer expires while you wait. Operators are standing by. This Saturday, April 16th, the National Championship Qualifiers will be held over at the Ramada Inn Midtown. This is the regional eight-seater. Top eight goes to Nats. The format is standard. Fee is $25. Registration is at 9 a.m. Play begins at 10 a.m. Now, for this particular regionals, we got something very cool and different happening. After round four of the main event, Front Range Magic will be hosting a Star City Games Invitational Qualifier. The format is standard. The winner will win an invite and airfare to the Star City Games Invitational Championship that I believe is taking place in June or July, one of those months. So, if you get a little unlucky at regionals and you want a shot at redemption, we'll be firing that event up. We'll see all of you this Saturday. And on Saturday, April 30th, the National Championship Qualifier. It's a local one-seater happening at Enchanted Grounds. Format standard, fee is $25. Registration begins at 9 a.m., play begins at 10 a.m. And on Saturday, May 7th, the new Phyrexia pre-release. It's taking place at the Red Lion Inn. As always, there will be multiple formats from individual sealed deck tournaments, two-headed giant tournaments, open dueling, booster drafts, You know the drill, the whole nine yards. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Play begins shortly afterwards. Now the big news is we will have two special guests. Magic and fantasy artist Mike Lim will be joining us that day to sign cards and mingle with the masses. And last but certainly not least, our featured gunslinger, the one and only Jerry Thompson, will be taking on all comers. Come sit down and play against Jerry for a chance to win a pack of new Phyrexia. And coming in June, June 11th and June 12th, the Star City Games 10K Weekend. It's going to take place at Invesco Field. The format's going to be standard and legacy, of course. See Star City Games for more details. Now, I'm going to be competing in the standard portion of that event, and I'm probably going to be taking Sunday off to podcast and bird my friends playing legacy. It's going to be a beautiful summer weekend in the Mile High City, so if you can make the drive for this, please do so. It's going to be a blast, and it lands on my birthday, so it's going to be off the hook. Just 
try and make it down there. You guys will dig it the most. Alright, it's uh, it's about time to put this bad boy to bed. This is normally the time when I, I do some shout-outs, and, and I have one very special shout-out that I'd like to throw out there. I would like to dedicate this particular episode of Jin's Playground to a man and fellow Magic player in our community by the name of Lou Christopher. Now, Lou recently lost his brother in a very tragic accident. I don't have any brothers or sisters, so it's it's virtually impossible for me to understand how Lou feels or what he's going through. All I know is that it has to be very, very hard. And I hope that if he's listening to this episode, that I was able to put a smile on his face and, and maybe make his day a little bit better. Here's to you, amigo. My thoughts are with you and your family. All right, sickos, that's all I got. The cork is going back on the bottle. Good luck at your Nats qualifiers, and we'll talk to you all next time. This is the Jin signing off saying, Happy are those who dream dreams and are ready to pay the price to make them come true. Peace, everybody.